When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why are we acting like that was a whiff? What the? I thought I hit that. <laughs> Audio listeners are confused. Hello, everyone, and welcome <laughs> back to Player Profile and Projections. We're not outside Clover Park right now. We're in our wonderful, sweet, air-conditioned Airbnb. Very nice. It's nice to be inside for a little bit. It was hot out there today. That last one we recorded got hot. It but got hot. Uh, we are here, and we are doing a duo right <gasps> now. Two big boys behind the dish, one familiar, one new, Tomas Nito and Omar Narvaez. I like the name Narvaez, by I do the too. Way. I don't know if you, I ever told you about this. When I first started making videos, a lot of people left comments that I looked like Omar Narvaez. Didn't see that. Uh, let me take a look at the... the I kind of leaned into it and turned it into a meme, so now whenever I think of him... You know, I think of that. That mo- I was small. I was like five thousand subscribers. Not a lot of people knew me, but now you're a big deal. I'm hot <laughs> shot. This is the Jolly Olive podcast. Now they tell Logan, Omar so. Narvaez that he looks like yeah. yeah Jolly Omar. Olive. You ever heard of Jolly Olive? I like Omar. We should start with the guy that's been here for a few years. I agree. Our man Tomas Nito, who we love. We Gosh. just got a new deal. He just got paid. Good for him. Just had a second child. That kid can actually eat now. That's great to hear. <laughs> Uh, no, Benito. I mean, he. They did everything they could to try to get rid of McCann's contract yeah. and keep Nito around, and they did that. They they signed Narvaez, traded McCann to the Orioles, and our man Nito gets to stick around, which is, I think, the right decision. I think maybe a different regime would have kept McCann because of the money. Maybe cut Nito when he probably deserved the spot. But Nito, one of the best pitch framers in the game, one of the clutchest hitters. On the Mets, I I'll won't. Start, I'll, I'll let you before you get there. I want the to talk about stats. the. Yeah, yeah. I want. I want to talk about the pitch framing because yeah. to me that's the number one thing. Handling this pitching staff, the success of the New York Mets in 2023 is built around their aces and their bullpen. That is, I mean, the reason that they lost in 2022. You know, it wasn't great hitting, but it's your your aces let you down in the yes. end. I think that's fair to say, and they're built the same way this year with a. a kind of a remix but Nito is so good at at pitch framing and calling and handling those guys they wanted some carryover I think that's very important because that's his number one job yeah and it's not a it's not a surprise that a lot of these guys preferred throwing to Nito and you know it wasn't really a secret towards the the end of the stretch there because Tomas Nito very reliable backstop he has been around the team since 2016 is one of the most long-standing members of the current New York Mets and he was a guy that we weren't sure was going to be back this offseason because there was a lot of things up in the air including what to do with James McCann I am very glad that Tomas Nita will still be back there yeah I think it's great uh, his overall stat line offensively doesn't look great um, yeah. subpar uh, but we'll get into that number but you you mentioned something right before that yeah so whatever shortcomings Tomas Nito has on the general offensive front you know 239 batting average only three home runs last year great uh, celebration on the first home run he hit where he got the silent treatment that's really funny <laughs> 15 doubles no stolen bases obviously a 74 weight runs created plus not 
ideal. But we made it a point last year to highlight just how good Tomas Nito was in situations that mattered most. He went 20 for 71 with runners in scoring position last year. That's good for a 282 batting average. But how about when there was even more stakes? Two outs and runners in scoring position. He batted 333 with an 806 OPS. Tomas Nito is the guy you want up with runners on. And you know he's batting ninth a lot, so it makes sense. The lineup keeps moving. Everyone's getting on base. It was nice to have him down there getting a lot of clutch hits. And, you know, if he if he keeps that up, he's going to build a reputation for himself. That's the thing. If you're a defensive first catcher, you just either have to hit an occasional home run, which Nito doesn't have in the repertoire, right. or you drive in a run on occasion. Anything you get offensively at production is a bonus because the bread and butter of your ball club is pitching and you're the other end of the battery. So it, it's very important. And he was clutch. There was a while there where he came through like, it felt like every day for weeks. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, if he can still bring that to the table and still be the same defensive prowess kind of guy, then I'm very, very happy, especially with this new contract being very, I, I would assume it's team friendly in terms of the scope of it. And for Tomas Nito, he gets his payday. So I think it's happiness on both sides. Um, I think the Mets did a good job securing the catching position as a bridge to Francisco Alvarez because I think that we talked a lot about Salver is going to be on the opening day roster. We kind of got that answered for us. And now you have a couple two-year deals in Nito and Narvaez to kind of bridge that gap and give Alvarez all the time he needs to be ready to not only hit at the big league level, but also catch at the big league level. Yeah, well, did we say Nito's numbers? Because he signed a two-year $3.7 million, which, which is... I like. Yeah, I think he likes it. Uh, it's obviously a, a guaranteed payday, but it's also a stark contrast to what a lot of people are paying their catcher and what right. what the Mets pay a lot of their other positions. Nito understood where he was in the pecking order in arbitration, took the guaranteed money as he should because he understands the, the lay of the land. Yeah, and Steamer doesn't project any huge breakout for Nito in terms of offense. That shouldn't be a surprise to many people. They do have him at 54 games, which I found... A little bit low. He played 98 games last year. was kind of the big piece of this Mets roster. 208 plate appearances, four bombs, 20 RBI, 20 runs, a 226 clip. A lot of these numbers uh, feel very similar to his 2022 numbers. The but. numbers offensively, production-wise, are very similar. The one thing you said is 54 games, and then the other coin of that, would you be like, all right, he's only hitting 54 games. Narvaez must be slated to get 108, whatever... Uh, it's not because it's yeah. 79. So I think they might be thinking that Alvarez is going to come up and catch. That's a hard thing to project. I don't see it happening. It's very possible. Um, but I we do have an over-under on number of games. Yeah, I'll be interested. I think I might try to adjust both of these. Hey, you do you, man. Um, man, we'll stick with Max. We'll we'll feel it out. But I, you know, his projections are very similar. I do I do think he plays in more than fifty four games, though. Well, I guess we should probably talk about the other side of things. Why that projection might be so low, and that's because Omar Narvaez got a two year, fifteen million dollar deal to come on board with the New York Mets. Kind of a perplexing move for a lot of people, including myself, and I think you as well. Yeah, yeah, I didn't see it coming. It, it I was still under the impression that it's Alvarez put him in the lineup because of the impact his bat can have. You'll figure out the catching position. At the time, they still had McCann. Right. You're like, all right, maybe he'll DH play first base. Uh, McCann will be that backup catcher kind of role. They're still trying to trade him, but I was all under, uh, or I was all in for letting Alvarez just wear it out because it's easier to find, to hide a, um, a guy figuring it out 
uh, in a, on a contending team, right. a position player, because he's only one out. You know, a pitcher that's trying to pitch and, and figure his way out in the big leagues, it's tough um, on a contending team because <clears throat> anytime he messes up, it's costing a game. Yeah, but yeah. if Alvarez has a bad streak, it's just one out. He might have three at-bats if he's batting eighth, maybe right. even two because they pinch hit. But I think the potential for his thump in the lineup was all about just letting him go out and figure it out. But it it's not that way, at least at the start. And so they signed Narvaez, which shocked me. But he's a left-handed hitter to Nito's right-handed hitter. Yeah, I think you find yourself in a pretty lucrative platoon if things can pan out here. It wasn't a great 2022 for Omar Narvaez. He did battle a left quad strain for most of the season, so there is something to factor in there. Uh, but 84 games for him, just a shade under 300 plate appearances, 12 doubles. The power was sapped away after he hit 11 home runs in 2021. He hit just four last year, uh, 29 walks, no stolen bases, a 206 batting average, a 305 slug, which is alarmingly low. Uh, good for a 71 weighted runs created plus, which is actually lower than Tomas Nito's, if you can believe that. So they're kind of banking on some upside here. And the reason I say that is because in 2021, Omar Nervais was an all-star for the Milwaukee Brewers. So there's something there. Yeah, he could also, you know, in this lineup, he could also be protected a little bit more, um, get better pitching. But he, too, is a glove-first left-handed hitting, which is a huge bonus for him. Uh, Catcher. So they're both very defensive first. They're both known for their pitch framing and pitch calling, savvy behind the dish, and then they, they're a platoon style. So that's that's interesting to me. Yeah, I want to highlight uh, that 2021 season for a sec because under all impressions, Omar Nevaez was playing that season fully healthy. And halfway through June, he was, you know, arguably the second best catcher in the National League behind JT Real Muto. He had a 921 OPS halfway through June, six home runs, 19 RBI, 17 walks. These are numbers that were vital to the, uh, to the success of that 2021 Brewers team. I just wonder what the Mets might be seeing that some fans might not be seeing. Obviously, you have the left-handed hitting, which is kind of rare for catchers in the game right now. I can think of, like, Yasmani Grandal, and that's kind of it. And, you know, that's an added bonus for sure. But at the same time, you know, he's going to be getting a whole new staff. He's going to have to, you know, it's going to be a big spring for him, I think, getting acclimated with everyone else. Uh, And the Mets, I guess, are figuring themselves into another platoon situation. We kind of saw the plan for the platoon DH not really go that well, which is maybe why I'm not feeling super confident in this plan because we've seen it go wrong as recently as last year. But at the same time, I like Omar Nervais. I I think that that 2021 All-Star season wasn't a fluke because he had a great 2019 as well where he hit 22 home runs uh, for the Seattle Mariners and was really good over there. Played 132 games, 123 games in 2021 and 84 games last year. So if nothing else, the guy is staying you know, healthy for at least, you know, half a season, which if you're, you know, working in this plan with Narvaez and Nito as a platoon might be exactly what you need. So it could go well. I'm just not totally sold on it yet. Yeah, I think, uh, again, they're they're looking for a little bit more upside, but just kind of a left-handed, you know, limited role for a guy that's a placeholder for the guy coming up, the the franchise in Francisco Alvarez. Yeah, and you can tell how much we believe in him because we got a full episode planned for him. You talked about um, getting to know your staff, but the, uh, one of the many things that are affecting the Mets and a little bit worrisome about their chemistry, especially to start the year, is the WBC, and he's going to play for Venezuela. Yes. And he's not going to be able to learn some of these new pitchers, which fact, is... He's probably playing in it when this episode comes out, actually. He'll probably oh, be playing that's it right, right now. Yeah. yeah, and so he'll be gone. And so there's so many players for the Mets that are affected by this. Not to mention, uh, Buck Walter mentioned today, 
that the WBC is not going to be the pitch clock. So the yeah. rules aren't going to be the same. So those hitters that need those reps, uh, again, I think it's going to affect hitters more than pitchers. Those hitters don't have that same kind of rhythm that they're going to have to learn. So there, there's a little bit of worry for that. But Narvaez is not going to know this pitching staff as much. And I also think there's kind of some onus on catchers to keep those pitchers in a good rhythm with this pitch clock. And that's something that he's going to have to get under his belt as time goes on. But it's going to affect Escobar, Lindor, Alonzo. All these guys are going to the WBC to play for their respective Is countries. Nito going to Puerto Rico? Uh, actually, that's a good question. I can look I'm, that up for you I'm right now. I'm not sure. But again, these are things that a lot of teams are dealing with, but the Mets, because they have so much talent, most of their talent is going to play for their respective countries. Right, and you know, the WBC fan of me is very, very happy for that because I want a good product after this thing going away for five years. But at the same time, yeah, with new rules coming in, I mean, we, we just saw the first spring training game and saw Manny Machado get penalized for the first time in terms of the pitch clock. This is something that's going to take some getting used to. Yep. And part of me is kind of glad that MLB is, you know, pushing the new rules immediately and just kind of baptism by fire, get everybody acclimated as quickly as possible. But yeah, for Omar Nervais, who's accepted a decently big contract considering, you know, what it the is catcher's a big market one. Shocking. is right now. You know, that's a lot of responsibility to take on. So I'm very, very curious to see how it pans out early in the season for Omar. He's projected. Did we did we read the projections? Read so off. for 2023 Steamer projections, he's 79 games, which is under half a season. Right. 300 plate appearances, 11 doubles, 6 homers, 30 RBI. Pretty much the same as he did last year. He hit a little bit higher average they're projecting, but basically no slugging, no power production, yeah. even though he faded down the second half of 2021. 2022 was kind of injury riddled and he only played in 84 games and he didn't produce. So they think it's gone. Yeah. Um, Cause he's only supposed to slug 351 closer to a, a league of average 95 weighted runs created. Plus of course that's a hundred is, is average, but his war is 1.9, which is good because of his framing and his throwing. I mean, I look at this and you consider the state of offense and catchers and all that, and I think 95 is a solid number. I know you, you see JT Real Muto out there playing for a division We're rival. About to see Sean Murphy. Sean Murphy as well. So that makes you kind of salivate at the mouth and wonder what if. But at the same time, if one of these two guys can kind of click and have some sort of breakout, whether it's Omar kind of returning to his former prowess or Tomas Nito taking on the responsibility in the new contract well, I think the Mets can find some sort of recipe for success. But barring all of that, they will have great defense behind the plate. And one thing that I know for a fact that the front office saw in Omar Narvaez is with this ban of shift, this is one of the guys they targeted to have a up spike or a spike up in production yeah. because he, they think he was really highly affected by the shift. They think that might be something that he could take advantage of. They might see you know, be ahead of the, the scouting department in that sense, and they targeted him. They may have given him quite a bit of money, which is, again, shocking to have that two-year. And he has a player option for a third year. Which is, the, I think, the part that shocks me the most. They must really believe in whatever they see. And you know what? If it works out, they're going to look like geniuses because I guess they beat out the market on that. And if not, I don't think Uncle Stevie's going to be too upset. No, I know that's that's chump change to him. But uh, with the steamer projections, if they are accurate, that leaves about 30 games unaccounted for behind the plate. I wonder where those go. Uh, but the over-under does pertain to games for both of these guys. You said you wanted to make a revision or some kind of audible? Yeah, I mean, the difference between 
so Max, the the genius that he is, has both of them. They're the same over unders of seventy nine point five. I think it essentially means like which one do you think gets more playing time? I think so. So yeah. maybe we do that. Maybe we keep them both the same as as that, and we we take them both. So I'll let you lead the way. Do both. Yeah, who is going to get the primary reps? It's a good question. I mean, if you go from the complete basic status of the Mets will probably face more righty pitchers than lefty pitchers. You say Omar Nervais. The balloon, platoon against, the platoon. Yeah, he's batting left-handed. But I just I don't see the platoon plan ever going as smooth, smoothly as the team might envision. I think one guy maybe takes the cake. Maybe one guy is preferred by the pitchers to throw to. Uh, so in that case, I, I think I'm going to go over on Tomas Nino and under on Omar Nervais. I don't necessarily think that means that either one of them has a good or bad season. I do think that the Mets go with the guy that's been there the longest, the guy that un- that knows the staff uh, the best. And for Omar Nevaez, it is kind of a, a prove-it first year for him. If he can produce offensively, he's going to force his way into this lineup. I just don't see it happening. Uh, and as much as I want to do the same thing, I'm going to go the other way. And okay. I think money talks a little bit here. They paid him a lot of money compared to the other guy. Yeah. So I think, uh, again, along with that and being left-handed and facing more right-handed hitters, I can see Narvaez kind of taking – he's going to get first crack at it. Yeah. And if he's sustainable on, on success, I think he gets that. So I'm going to take the over on 79 and a half games for Narvaez and the under for Nito. I'm going to throw one more question at you before we wrap up. No. Guys, that'll do it for this player. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you think starts opening day? Uh, who are they? They're playing Miami, Alcantara. I think it's Narvaez. I think it might be Nino. Um, well, we'll see. Another, another, another opening day. Another bet. <laughs> <laughs> <Bet>. <laughs> Guys, thank you for watching another player profile projection. We'll see you tomorrow. See you another tomorrow. Episode. Maybe Until we'll be one players. Let's go, Mets. And if you're a fan of talking baseball, Jake sucks. <laughs> you know who doesn't suck? Tomas Nino with the two bats. ads and runners in scoring position. <laughs> it's very specific. Ball ball. Come on.